it is Monday! You know what that means! Oh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gentlemen, you are listening live here in a brand new world! As I already said, on a Monday, October 24th, 2022, this will be our last Monday breakdown of the NFL football season. As a reminder, next week, because of my new job, Brandon's world will be shifting from our NFL Recap Mondays to NFL Recap Tuesdays. Those will be occurring in the evening on Tuesdays. We will be doing our annual Thursday predictions with the X and best bets, which I will be going over here in a second, though we may be recording on Wednesday, posting on Thursday. I haven't really figured that, that out yet. I'll work on that schedule by the end of this week as well. I want you guys know the deal with that on Thursday. But yes, another crazy week in the National Football League. Of course, the NHL is happening. The NBA is happening. The MLB playoffs, the Houston Astros, the Philadelphia Phillies are going to meet in a very good World Series. I'll give my prediction on that on Thursday. Congratulations to both of those teams for making it to the Vault Classic. Two, you know, very good baseball markets. Bryce Harper, obviously, coming over from the Nationals to the Phillies a couple years ago, now trying to help propel Philadelphia to a World Series after they fired their manager, Joe Girardi, early in the season. What a great story that is, taking on Houston, who has now obviously made the World Series four times in the last six years. They won in 2017, but they did not win it in 2019 or 2021. Here they are back in 2022. Can they win their second World Series? You would have to think there's a lot of pressure because obviously that 2017 championship was tainted due to the cheating. 2018, they lost to the ALCS to the Boston Red Sox. 2019, they lost that phenomenal World Series to the Washington Nationals. 2020, ALCS lost to the Tampa Bay Rays in the COVID year. And then last year, obviously, the Atlanta Braves got them in the World Series. So there's a lot of pressure on Houston, in my opinion, to bring home that trophy. Of course, Yorin, Alvarez, Bregman, Altuve, all those guys are still there. Houston's a great baseball team going up against that great story in Philadelphia. We'll preview it on Thursday. Without further ado, I want to get right to it. It was another amazing week seven in the National Football League. I ended up doing pretty good, going eight and five in the straight-up money line as well as free for four in best bets. Of course, we still have New England minus eight tonight, but we will get to that in a moment. Without further ado, let's get to it. Let's turn on that football music. Kicking things off with Thursday Night Football, you got the Arizona Cardinals defeating the Saints 42-34. Of course, Andy Dalton throwing those back-to-back pick sixes after ordering the Saints had control of the ball game. But what did I say on Thursday? It's the reason why in my best bets, I bet Arizona minus two and a half, and we hit on it. I said the Cardinals will be a different football team with number 10, DeAndre Hopkins, a wide receiver. You saw that early and often Thursday night, he caught 10 balls. Kyler Murray looked a little more comfortable in the pocket, though their defense did give up a lot of plays to the Saints, though obviously in garbage time, the Saints kind of made the ball game. At one point, Arizona had various 17-point leads. Was it Andy Dalton? When he does not turn the football over, he has moved the ball better for the Saints. 
than Jameis Winston has. But you have to wonder now, with Andy Dome struggling with those turnovers, with the way Jameis Winston struggled for the Saints, the Saints season is kind of teetering, even though that, that NFC South division looks awfully weak. They're only a game back of first place somehow, miraculously, with Albat Tampa Bay, who we'll get to, and obviously Atlanta has played, and Carolina, who somehow knocked off Tampa Bay yesterday. Um, but again, you have to wonder if the Saints season does go sideways. Obviously, Michael Thomas is still down. Jarvis Landry is still down. Alvin Kamara is not at the, the production. You know, Marcus Lattimore is out on the defensive side. Their defense is giving up a lot of big plays. I wonder, Dennis Allen, defensive coach, does he decide to go the unconventional route that I think Sean Payton may have gone if he was still in New Orleans, and that is Taysom Hill at quarterback. Obviously, for, for for the Cardinals, they are in a very tough division, but here they are, three and four after a big win, and they still have a shot. You know, I said DeAndre Hopkins will change their team. I look right on that. They still have a good chance, in my opinion, to make the postseason. Okay, now the Browns versus the Ravens. Ravens obviously win it 23 to 20. I said do not bet the six and a half point spread. This is a divisional game. The Browns got embarrassed the week before by New England. I thought they were going to come out and play well against Baltimore. And this was another weird game where the Browns, once again, they got off hard. They're very good on script. Nick Chubb got going in the second half. For large parts of the game, though, Lamar Jackson and that Ravens running game. What by Gus Edwards, who made his season debut. Obviously replacing J.K. Dobbins, who just went on the IR with that knee scope uh, injury. Obviously, Lamar Jackson really controlled the ball game, and the Ravens controlled it throughout most of the ball game, but yet the Browns still had a chance to win the ball game at the end of the game. There was a false start penalty that's in question. There were a lot of bad calls yesterday around the National Football League. Cade York obviously missed the field goal, and that's the end of the ball game. But this is just another example. And there was questions about Browns players potentially yelling at each other. There was yelling and being heard in the locker room at the end of the ball game. This is just a way that bad football teams, in my opinion, find a way to lose. You know, Baltimore has not trailed for a ton of time this season. They are, you know, four and three. They could easily be seven and oh, in, in my opinion. The Browns are playing like a two and five football team. They're playing like a team that, that watched four straight games. I thought Jacoby Brissett may have actually played the best he's played all season yesterday, and it still resulted in a loss for the Browns, who now have to go up against a huge rival in the Cincinnati Bengals on Halloween next Monday night. And the Bengals just took apart Atlanta. For the first time this season, the Atlanta Falcons did not cover. They, they lost both of their starting corners. And Joe Burrow, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase just absolutely took Atlanta out. And this is the formula for how to defeat the Atlanta Falcons. We know the Falcons are one of the best running teams in football. We know Marcus Mariota has one of the best completion percentages in the National Football League. But they do not throw the ball deep. It is predicated on running the football and getting big plays over the top with play action. And when you take out that running game, especially with Cordero Patterson now on IR for Atlanta, they become an extremely limited offense, and that's what they were yesterday. In Cincinnati, everybody at 0-2 said the Bengals season is over, and I said timeout. I said Cincinnati, both of those 0-2 losses were at the buzzer. 
won the Cooper Rush to the Cowboys, won to the Steelers, which they would have won on the last play of the game if it wasn't for the watch kick. Their other watch would obviously have the pleasure against the Baltimore Ravens, who I just said, very good football team. Justin Tucker, another great kick at the buzzer. So the Bengals have three losses. They were all decided on the last kick, and there was a lot of question about the offensive line and Joe Burrow's quite early in the season. I had said over and over, Joe Burrow had not gotten a snap since the Super Bowl due to his appendix injury in training camp. The offensive line has not worked together with Burrow yet. They're going to figure it out. They're going to be fine. Jamar Chase is going to be fine. That defense led by Trey Anderson up front. Logan Wilson, the linebacker, is going to be fine. I said Cincinnati's going to be fine. Here they are. They won four out of their last five after starting 0-2. And they now, along with the Baltimore Ravens, are tied for first place in the AFC North. Obviously, Cincinnati losing to Baltimore gives the Ravens a little bit of an edge. But it all, in my opinion, knocks out the Browns and Steelers. It looks like it will come down to the two best teams in the division that I thought to start the year, that being Cincinnati and Baltimore. Now, Tampa Bay. And, you know, you can't really explain Tampa Bay to me. I mean, they had that play, first play of the game. We all know it. Mike Evans, boom, touchdown, but he drops the ball. But really, after that, Tampa Bay was never in sync. They obviously only put up a field goal, losing to Carolina 20-3. to I said on Thursday, I said this was a game that Tampa Bay had to dominate. This was a game that Brady had to bounce back. This was a game that Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette, they all had to put up big numbers. This was a statement game for Tampa Bay, and it was a statement on the other side, basically saying they did not come to play against P.J. Walker, Chuba Hubbard, Deontay Foreman, and the Carolina Panthers. Thursday was recorded before the Christian McCaffrey trade happened with the San Francisco 49ers. I'll give my thoughts on that when it comes time, time to break down the Kansas City-San Francisco uh, game yesterday. But Carolina with those two backs, Foreman and Chuba Hubbard, just took apart Tampa Bay. They could not tackle. They could not move the ball. And I know Brady has had some clunkers. Obviously, dating back last year, the 9-0 game in Tampa against the Saints. I understand that. But this is the Carolina Panthers. They are on an interim head coach in Steve Wilkes. They are on their third-string quarterback in P.J. Walker. They just traded away their best player on their team, arguably, in Christian McCaffrey. There is no business that Tampa Bay should only score three points, zero in the first half, look as ugly as they did, even off that Mike Evans drop touchdown pass, which I think, you know, really changed the complexion of the game. But there is no business for why Tampa Bay keeps losing these ball games. And they have a game Thursday night against the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, you used to never be able to run against Tampa Bay, right? It used to be a bad matchup for Lamar Jackson or a running quarterback to go into Tampa and play the Bucs. Now, all of a sudden, with the way the Ravens are playing, I think the Ravens may actually eke out this win. I don't think you can simplify Tampa Bay's offensive issues in four days. The timing is off. Brady is off. I don't know if it was the fake retirement. The the uh, Robert Kraft party. Just guys not buying in. Todd Bowles not being as great of a head coach as maybe a defensive coordinator. I don't know what it is, but there is trouble officially brewing in Tampa Bay. Speaking of trouble brewing, I had said, you know, I've been calling for Kevin Stefanski's job. If you've been listening to this podcast in Cleveland, I said he, he's not motivated. He's not making corrections. And the Browns look like a very bad coach football team. The same thing can be said about the Detroit Lions. 
that was god awful yesterday. I mean, the, the failed challenge at the goal line with a backup tight end, where at least you're going to get the ball at the half-yard line, if not a touchdown. Then they give the ball to Jamal Williams on the one-yard line. He fumbles. Jared Goff in a dome played like an absolute disaster. And the Lions, who seem like they can't do anything without Amon St. Brown on the field, who left the game in the first quarter for a concussion. Their defense kept them in at most of the game. The score does not indicate really how close this game was towards towards the end when the Cowboys defense led by Michael Parsons really took over. Doug Prescott was not that impressive really and the Cowboys 24-6 win. Again, there were multiple times in that game, specifically in the second half, where the Detroit Lions could have taken the lead and either it was a fumble or a Jared Goff interception. It was a disaster for the Detroit Lions who turned the ball over five times. It was a defensively. You, you know, they were sound of the ball. They made some schematic changes. It looks like Aaron Glenn was tuned in. Ben Johnson, offensive guy. Dan Campbell, obviously former tight end on National Tight Ends Day. Their offense did not look prepared. They were overwhelmed against the Cowboys defense. And this Lions team, who we all said, hey, they're building. They lost five or six games last year on the last play of the game. You can't fault the Detroit Lions. Here they are this season. They are 1-5, and five, and they look worse than last year. They are a mess. Their only win coming over Carson Wentz, and Washington looks way better with Taylor Heineke than they do with Carson Wentz. The Lions are in trouble. What I'm here to say, if Dean Campbell, who we all loved in our knocks and his rah-rah and fighting kneecaps off, if he doesn't fix this uh, on the second half of the season, he may be out at the end of the year as the Detroit Lions head coach. They find ways to lose, just like the New York Giants find ways to win. They ended up again doing the Daniel Jones comeback thing, getting to 6-1, and one, defeating the now 2-5 and five Jaguars, who will host Denver next week in London. Oh boy, what a game that's going to be. Giants end up winning this one again, 23-17. Giants in the line of chance. The Giants made a stop at the goal line at the buzzer to win the game, to get to 6-1. and one. They are undefeated on the road, and they have six comeback victories. Say what you want about Daniel Jones, and I've been Daniel Jones' biggest critic since he came into this league. I did not think Daniel Jones could win you many games as a quarterback in the National Football League. But again, the Browns and Lions find ways to lose games. Like them or not, Brian Dable, and they certainly have a limited offense with Saquon Barkley that looks like Wondell Robinson is coming on. The Giants, their philosophy is, let's just stay in the ball game in the first half. Because in the second half, we're going to run the football with Saquon Barkley. We're going to be more physical than you, even if we lose our great tackle, Evan Neal, who went out with an injury in the ballgame. And we're going to wear you down. Daniel Jones is going to make a play at the end of the ballgame, and we are going to win the game. The Giants, I don't know if they make the postseason or not. I, I really don't know. At 6-1, and one, could they finish 8-9? It seems highly unlikely. It seems more than likely they'll get to 10 wins and somehow make a postseason berth with Daniel Jones as their quarterback. But again, when you have six comeback victories, to me, at some point, that magic is going to fall out. So I don't believe in the Giants as a full playoff team yet necessarily. But again, they find ways to win games. And Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, and Jacksonville in year one together, they are still going through growing pains. I wonder if it shocked me. I thought Jacksonville offensively would be better than what they are. 
My personal opinion is Christian Kirk is a number two or a number three. So is Zay Jones. Evan Ingram is a good tight end, not a great one. Their offensive line is a work in progress. Their defense, man, they got players all, all over the field on that defense. Offensively, I think they need to go on and drown and they need to trade for a number one white wide receiver to help out number 16, Trevor Lawrence. Then I think that offense will get cooking again. Taylor Heineke. The Commanders defeat the Packers 23-21. Green Bay only put up 14 offensive points, and they were both on, on Aaron Jones' touchdown receptions from Aaron Rodgers. The one an incredible play late in the ball game, but for most of the game, Green Bay once again looked terrible offensively. It seems like to me, Romeo Dobbs, got, who got zero targets yesterday, has kind of fallen out of line. With, with Aaron Rodgers. It kind of feels like with Aaron now, just like it was Devontae Adams or Bust last year, now it is Alan Lazard or Bust when it comes to wide receivers. We've heard him clamoring for Odell Beckham Jr. over, over multiple weeks, and that's because Aaron knows these receivers can't separate. Defenses are trying to find out that these receivers can't separate, and they're stacking the box, and they're making it hard for Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to run the football. This is what happens. I will say it over and over and over again. This is what happens when you get rid of a wide receiver as talented as Devontae Adams. You are going to miss him. Your offense is going to change. You're not going to be able to score as much. Your numbers will not look as good. You're not going to be able to move the ball. Boom. That's what happened. It's Taylor Heineke, who the report out of Washington, obviously, they're all doing, dealing with the Dan Schneider situation. But the report out of Washington said the locker room was uplifted this week by Taylor Heineke. I don't know if that says more about Taylor Heineke or what that says about Carson Wentz. But I got to tell you what, Scary Terry McCorn actually looked like Scary Terry yesterday. It looks like he has a good rapport with Taylor Heineke under center. And Washington is 3-4. and four. Now, I do not think they are a playoff contender. I think they are by far the least best team this season in the NFC East. Especially when you consider if the Eagles defeat the Steelers next week and get to 7-0, they will be at least four games out of first place. But that was a hell of a gritty win yesterday. Taylor Heineke had a pick six to DeAndre Campbell early in the game. Bounced back, played well, gave Washington a chance to win. And again, Green Bay cannot find a way to win these games. They have lost to the Commanders, the Giants, the Jets, and they almost lost to New England in Bailey Zappi's first start. And they got blown out by Minnesota week one. Aaron Rodgers is saying, oh, next week, no one's going to give us a chance at Buffalo. You're damn right no one's giving you a chance. You can play the undercard as much as you want. But right now, you cannot keep up with Stephon Dix, Gabriel Davis, you know, Josh Allen, that Buffalo offensive attack, especially with Buffalo coming off a bye and having to scout Aaron Rodgers for two weeks, if I'm Green Bay, I'd be very nervous about next Sunday night. Well, the Colts. Matt Ryan struggled against Tennessee. Like every Colts quarterback struggles against Tennessee, Titans won this very physical football game, 19-10. They, they were aided by a pick six by Andrew Adams. Matt Ryan threw two terrible interceptions, and again, they did not get much going in the run game as well. Derrick Henry got about 120 yards. Did not score a touchdown in the ball game as Tennessee, by the way, also picked about four field goals 
uh, along with that pick six touchdown, Ryan Inno did not throw a touchdown. Again, it was a very run the ball, play defense type of day, very physical. Two AFC South competitors. And between Jacksonville, Tennessee, who is now 4 and 2 after starting off 0 oh 2, they looked horrible. Everybody thought Jacksonville at 2 and 1. This was the division for the taking for Jacksonville, and since they've gone in complete opposite direction. Tennessee winning 4 straight. Jacksonville dropping four straight, and now Tennessee is up two games on Jacksonville. Tennessee does not look very impressive at all. I mean, they have two wins over the Colts out of their four wins. The Colts are three, three, and one, and all these teams, right? Indy, Tennessee, Jacksonville, even Houston, who in one second here, we'll talk about it. They were in the game for most of the game against Las Vegas. Davis Mills, you know, uh, threw a pick to, uh, to uh, Duran Armand. We made a great jump on the ball, waiting in the fourth quarter to kind of seal that ball game. But the AFC South is another one of these divisions that you're, you know, like the NFC South, the NFC West, the AFC North, the AFC East, where really every team is really stacked together and there's no team really separating itself. And it's a weird division. But again, the Colts, they certainly do have a chance. I'm not going to write their season off because it seems like when their backs are, are, are are up against the wall. Frank Reich and Matt Ryan play their best football, and I don't trust Tennessee, Mike Brable, Ryan Tino on a weekly basis. It does feel like they're still not as strong as last year. They're still not as explosive off offensively. They are very Derek Henry reliant, but the one thing we know is they can beat Indianapolis. Okay, I just mentioned Houston. Again, this was 20 to 20 in the fourth quarter. Vegas scored 18 in the fourth. They won the game 38 to 20. Find a pick six, three Josh Jacobs rushing touchdowns. And in the second half, they really ran the football down Houston's throat. They can hold time of possession. They limited Davis Mills. They kept the Raiders' defense on the sideline. They kept their offense on the field and just worn down Houston with multiple play, you know, three or four 60 to 70 yard drives. Just tired out that Texans defense. Texans play really hard under Lovey Smith. We know they are not very talented. We know Vegas is a very talented football team. And, um, yeah, Vegas has got the win there 38-20. Okay, this was a game that I hit in my best bets as well. I forgot to mention, by the way, we missed the Lions plus seven. We were covering the whole game. And then, as I mentioned, what happened with Jared Goff. We did it. Tennessee, though, minus two as they defeated the Colts 19-10. We did it. The Jets. Now, this was plus a Broncos were favored by a half, so we took the Jets plus a half when Russell Wilson was in there when we did the recording on Thursday. By the time Saturday came around, we found out Russell Wilson was out of the ballgame. The Jets were only favored by a point at that point, so who knows what that says about number three in Denver. But Brent Redmond did not help the Broncos at all. Once again, they did not score a touchdown. They kicked three field goals. Jets are hiding their quarterback. Zach Wilson was not very good at all. They kicked three field goals. They got a one touchdown play by Brees Hall, which will hurt their running game going forward because Brees Hall, unfortunately, looked like he tore his ACL during this game. Seems like he's going to be out for the season. So that could hurt the Jets a little bit. But they play great defense. They already have nine interceptions and seven all of last season. They get after the quarterback with four. They do not blitz a lot, and their defense is what is winning them these football games. It's been impressive to see. There's a reason why they are five and two, and after starting one and two, they have won four straight, and it kind of feels like that comeback against the Browns, even though they lost, 
to the uh, Bengals the next week. They came back and they beat Pittsburgh when Zach Wilson in his first start. Kind of seemed like those two wins sparked their season. They believe in Robert Sawa. I don't know how much they believe in Zach Wilson. You know, Elijah Moore has also requested a trade. It seems like, again, they are very defense, run the ball, protect Zach Wilson. It feels like they're going to get exposed eventually against a high-powered team like a Cincinnati, like a Kansas City, like a Buffalo. You know, Baltimore did a number on them week one. But over the last four weeks, you know, again, Pittsburgh, the Dolphins, who were on Skylar Thompson, uh, the Broncos, you know, with Brett Ribbon, and then Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, and we saw what that offense has looked like. So I, I'm interested to see if the Jets can sustain this, but right now, they are absolutely in contention for the AFC East. Though, again, I don't know how much they're going to be able to sustain it. Speaking of being able to sustain, again, this has been a weird NFL season. An NFL season where the Seattle Seahawks beat the LA Chargers pretty convincingly without DK Metcalf, 37-23. Geno Smith, Kenneth Walker, and that young Seahawks offensive line went up the Chargers, who just do not run the football with Austin Eckler at all. Another inexcusable loss by Brandon Staley, who doesn't even know what a punter is. And nonetheless, the Seattle Seahawks are 4-3, and three, and they right now, as of today, Rams are on a bye. Niners lost, which we'll talk about San Francisco here in a minute. Arizona won, but they were already a game back of Seattle because of Seattle beating them last week at home. The Seattle Seahawks are now in first place in the NFC West, and it is week seven, and we are almost halfway through this NFL season, and Seattle, who I predicted them to win four games this year. I predicted the Jets to win four games. I predicted the Giants to win six games, or excuse me, to win three games. Giants have six wins, Seattle has four, Jets have five. It is a phenomenal turnaround for teams that we thought were going to be really, really bad this season, trying to tank for quarterbacks like C.J. Shroud and Bryce Young to come in there in the National Football League and lead their teams. Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, went out winning ball games that, again, teams like the Browns, teams like the Lions aren't doing. Hell, even Marcus Mariota, P.J. Walker, have won games this season. Last year, this was, if you took the best quarterback, you're more than likely going to win the game. This year, it seems like you take the best defense, you take the best team, you're more than likely going to win the game. It doesn't matter what quarterback you have. kind of seems like defenses have adjusted a little bit to the Mahomes, the Allens, the Burroughs, the Herberts, the Omar Jacksons, the Bradys, the Staffords of the world. But I got to give Pete Carroll a lot of credit. He is rebuilding this young Seahawks team like their college team, like at USC, but they are led by a veteran quarterback in Geno Smith. They believe in Geno. He's not checking it down. He's throwing the football down the field. They can put up points on almost everybody. And again, the Chargers, when you're in a division with the Raiders, who got another victory yesterday, and the Chiefs, I, that defense is not going to cut it. And if they don't make the playoffs again this season, it could be on the outs for Brandon Staley as well. Speaking of Kansas City, they took apart the 49ers. 44-23. The game was never really that close. San Francisco's defense could not stop Nicole Hardman yesterday, who finally looked like Tyreek Hill, though arguably just a tad bit slower, if you will. Check out Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. 
Travis Kelsey. They're getting the run game. They're getting the tight ends more involved. And they could not really touch, besides maybe one sack late in the third quarter, Patrick Mahomes. Kansas City had a plan. They executed it. They took apart San Francisco. I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about the Christian McCaffrey trade. Because while I think San Francisco did take a big risk, they obviously felt like, um, you know, outbidded the Rams for the star running back who got traded from Carolina this past week, giving up a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. You know, I think that that second and third and fifth, maybe even into the fourth this year and then the fifth next year, that's a lot of picks to up for one running back who has been injured throughout his career. I understand maybe with Jeff Wilson, Elijah Mitchell coming back, maybe they won't use McCaffrey as much. But his bones seem to be brittle, and that's a lot of picks for a team that thinks they have death. But in my opinion, their depth is not as good as we once thought. Though saying that, and I have said this forever, if San Francisco stays in playoff contention, to Thanksgiving, even if they're around 500, even if they're at six and six, you know, five and seven, Jimmy Garoppolo will bring you to the postseason because Jimmy Garoppolo is a lot like Nick Foles. You give him a chance and Jimmy Garoppolo will deliver in the big moments. Another big moment for this team will be next week when they go to the Rams 425 to take on the Rams who are coming off a bye. They were two weeks to scout San Francisco, and the Niners have owned the Rams throughout the past in the regular season. They beat them last year, week 17 in Los Angeles. This year, they're going to get their two games in before even week eight. It'll be very interesting to see that unfold. To me, it's a big game for San Francisco. They need it more than the LA Rams. You can't really start 0-2 when you make that deal for Christian McCaffrey. You want to prove to the Rams that you were right in getting him. You know, the Rams are going to want to shut him down. It's a pivotal NFC West battle with how close the division is. And Miami, after starting off really odd against the Steelers, they were 13-0 at one point. Pittsburgh outscores them. 10 to 3 the rest of the way. Kenny Pickett had a chance to win the ball game, but it was intercepted at the end of the ball game. Kenny Pickett's a young kid. You know, he made some good throws, some bad. I'd give him about an average performance. Was well, that on Sunday night football? But to it, I got my lower after the first couple of drives. He was really out for the Dolphins. Once the Seahawks defense, which obviously Brian Juarez made his return to Miami as a defensive assistant for Pittsburgh, once they settled down, they really made too much struggle, and they probably dropped about three or four interceptions. That defense tried to carry Pittsburgh, though they just could not do it. Miami, again, not impressive, not flashy, but when you got New England, who I think is, again, a part of my best bets tonight, I think they roll Chicago. When you got the Jets, who defeated Denver yesterday, this was a big one for the Dolphins to keep pace with the Bills, Jets, and New England in that AFC East, and they got the job done. We know Pittsburgh. Najee Harris has struggled offensively this year. We know Chase Claypool is on the trade block. We like George Pickens. You know, a lot of people like Deontay Johnson more than I do. Uh, that defense is really good still. Obviously, when they get TJ Watt back, they'll be better. I still think they are limited offensively. We'll see if any pick it does grow in the next year or two. This does kind of feel like a wash year for Pittsburgh now at 2-5. and five. It does feel like this will be Mike Conway's first year with a losing record. They had, they would have to go 7-3 and three the rest of the way uh, for Mike Conway to get to 9-8. and eight. I don't think they do that. But again, 
Really sloppy game in this one. There was no scoring in the second half of the ball game. Really felt like it. There was rain coming down in the second half. Both offenses struggling, but the Dolphins were able to get the lead early. They did go for it on a fourth down conversion, which I did not like. Pittsburgh was able to snuff out the run play. But again, their defense filled them out last night and a much needed win, more so for Miami, as they are looking for that playoff contending status and are starting for and oh, you did not want to drop four straight where the Pittsburgh, who this year is sort of rebuilding with Kenny Pickett. So again, as a reminder, we hit Arizona minus two and a half in best bets. We missed the Lions plus seven, but we hit Tennessee minus two. We hit the Jets plus half a point. We're going to get New England, I would believe, minus eight tonight. I think they roll over Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. We are now 21 of 34. Again, three for four this week. Hopefully it'll be four, four for five. But regardless, we will have a, a winning week. We are now at 62% for best bets. And again, eight and five and straight up money line. We're now 60 and 47 in that on the year, getting 13 games above 500. Feels really good after the slow start to the season. We will be back on Thursday where we will be previewing the World Series between the Houston Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies. Plus, we will be talking Week 8 in the National Football League. Big Thursday night football game with the Ravens and Bucks, as well as our best bets of the week. Make sure you guys stay tuned, and I will see you guys then. Peace.